Is raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour a radical idea? Is making sure that all of our kids have the opportunity to get a higher education, regardless of their income, because we're going to make public colleges and universities tuition-free, is that a radical idea? This is a scientific poll. You hearing this? (laughs) Is doing what every other major country on earth does. I live, Jane and I live 50 miles away from the Canadian border. Somehow they managed to guarantee health care for every man, woman, and child in that country at half the cost that we spend per capita. Is guaranteeing health care to all people as a human right a radical idea? No! Is addressing the existential threat of climate change a radical idea? No! All right, I rest my case. All right. Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of BZ Listening. Yeah. Uh, It kind of crept up on me. I am your host, BZ Douglas, and if this is your first time to the show, uh, it's typically me interviewing grassroots musicians and artists, journalists, activists, and uh, the occasional politician, uh, a a, a potpourri, a variety show cast. Today, I'm going to do something a little different, which uh, might draw in some new listeners, but... Uh, it's not really the point. The point is that for the weeks remaining before the Ohio primary on March 17th, I'm going to devote this podcast to the race, specifically advocating for Bernie Sanders. Now, uh, listeners will know that I've taken quite a long stretch between episodes recently. A big part of that hiatus has to do with my Bernie journey, as they say. Um, you know, going from being a donor and online only supporter to an active volunteer who makes calls, uh, and did some data entry. And finally this weekend, door to door canvassing. And, um, initially I thought I'd make this episode all about my longer Bernie journey and how I first became aware of him and his candidacy candidacy and, and, you know, what he means to me. And, but after going deeper into the movement, I thought I'd really like to kick things off by talking about how some of the people I met just this past Sunday, um, and, and, and talk about what, why they came out. And if you haven't been to a Bernie rally at nearly every one of them now, uh, the crowd is asked, will you fight for someone you don't know? It's a call to action for empathy. And it is so what this country needs to heal its wounds. It is an elaboration of not me, us. And that slogan, it also applies to how most Bernie supporters feel about the candidate. It's not about Bernie. And here I'm, I'm, tr- I'm aiming here to dispel a real dirty line of attack that calls us cult-like or even Trumpian. And I want, I, just, I want to do a little myth-busting here, which I think will, you know, it'll be a regular part of any discussion about Sanders in the days to come. So, I mean, to prove this wrong, let me just tell you about, yeah, like my canvassing weekend. On Saturday, uh, I showed up a little too late to do a meet and greet and just got sent straight out to knocking on doors. But Sunday... I went to a spot that was much closer where I live and, and I was really able to get to know everyone. Uh, 
And 10 people had uh, registered online, but 15 showed up. Uh, at least five were high school students, juniors and, and seniors. About a third had never canvassed. Half were women. And the training was led by a woman who is one of the delegates for Bernie, uh, a, a local victory captain, uh, Devora. The training, so what it does is it takes everyone through the flow of, of canvassing and, and what it is to do it when you go knocking on a door. And I, I actually think it's a really good way to kind of frame this episode or kick things off. And, and I also want to walk you through it in case you're someone who's been on the fence about getting out there um, for any candidate. Because, you know, I, I know a, a lot of people have to have anxiety about this just due to the, to the fact that I have incredible anxiety about this. I host a, a podcast. I've done plays and perform music, and yet it was a real mental block that kept me from starting to do calls and go door to door. So, you know, if I'm someone who doesn't really have any stage fright or introspect introver, introversion, and I'm like 100% pro Bernie, but I'm still afraid to get out there, I figure there must be other people who are feeling the same. So I kind of wanted to walk you through this. So you know what you're in for and know that it's pretty, it's not so scary. And it's actually a lot of, it's, it's very good. It's very good for you. Um, so back to the training, the, the first thing you do is you greet the person at the door and you confirm that you're talking to the person on your list. So say, hi, I'm, my name is Brian. I'm a volunteer with the Bernie Sanders campaign. Are you uh, LeBron James? And then if it is LeBron James, you're, you're supposed to give a quick one sentence reason why you are supporting Bernie or, or a boilerplate line about how he's making government work for average Americans and not just a wealthy and powerful few. And it's at this point in our you know, group training session that we went around the room and everyone said what you know, they would say, what was motivating them to volunteer and vote for Bernie. Devorah kick things off with her own story. Okay. Uh, like, I'm at the door, and I'm talking to people, and I'm saying why I support Bernie. Um, the reason I support Bernie is because of his plan for Medicare for All. Um, I believe that healthcare is a human right and not a privilege just for a few people. I've worked in healthcare for around 10 years. Uh, much of that time, I haven't been able to access healthcare myself, which is... I think ridiculous. We don't have that in other countries, and um, it's really a matter of life and death for a lot of people. And uh, it's something that we have to change. We need to change the values and the priorities of this country. That's why I am personally getting involved in, in this election. And then it was everyone else's turn, and I couldn't get a hold of everybody in time for this episode uh, to release the audio of it, but, um, that might come up in the part two of this or the next, the next installment. Um, but I can summarize that what people, everybody said was either Medicare for all, uh, healthcare is a human right, the green new deal, uh, and, uh, economic justice, prison reform, uh, so many amazingly, you know, like profound systemic issues, foreign policy, ending the war against all wars, uh, uh, freeing, uh, making that college should be uh, free and, and, and be funded by the government. And uh, so when it came around to my turn, I, I was just like suddenly struck 
by the impulse to do something outside of my comfort zone. Um, but it felt just really right to share. You see, the night before, I was reading a Twitter thread by journalist and uh, former guest Robert Evans. He wrote, Oddly enough, my Trump voting relatives all really like Bernie Sanders. They don't agree with him, but tend to think he's an honest man. My mom, lifelong Republican and Trump voter, just told me resignedly that maybe it's time, maybe it is time for us to try socialism. <laughs> yes, I, I like that. And then in the replies, a user named Vaca del Muerte, which translates to cow of death, uh, death cow replied, my mom has noticed how happy, um, has noticed how I've been more hopeful, uh, replied, my mom has noticed how I've been more hopeful lately because I feel like we can do this. I should be dead from my illness and I have somehow survived out of spite, but I need Medicare for all because I won't survive another four years without it. I just got out of the hospital five days ago. And this, this really moved me. And I replied saying, you know, I dedicate tomorrow's Bernie canvas in my neighborhood to you, along with a Portlandia solidarity gif. And solidarity, and that, that's a word that Robert made me keenly aware of in uh, his reporting on, on, you know, he reports on a lot of extremists and he's trying to think of what we need to do to bridge that divide. And, and solidarity is something he emphasizes. And I hope you, you learn about it and, and are seeking it out wherever you can in your life right now. Anyway, about an hour and a half later, Death Cow wrote a Twitter thread that had me in tears. And so when it came time to tell everyone why I was out for Bernie on that beautiful, unseasonably and disturbingly warm Sunday, February afternoon, the spirit of not me, us just overtook me. And I told the group, I wanted to read this man's story who I was dedicating my afternoon to. And I considered re-recording, reading the thread, but it was hard enough for me to get through the first time. I already cried in front of a bunch of strangers once this week. I don't need to record myself crying alone in my basement. Um, so here it is. Last week I almost died. I had my third pulmonary embolism in four years. I have no insurance and could not afford my blood clot medication and had to rely on aspirin and changing my diet as well as prayer to keep from getting another clot my second. It didn't work. The chances of dying from a pulmonary are one in three. I have had three and have somehow survived out of sheer will because the one last year caused damage to my heart as well. I'm in constant pain. I was finally prescribed a cheaper medication that is $25 a month without insurance instead of 450. I had clots in both lungs. This time was drowning in my own skin. They gave me a very dangerous clot buster that could have caused a stroke and luckily saved my life instead. I will not survive another four years without M Medicare for all. I know that is a fact. The last clot I can feel change in my blood and what it has done to me might very well be permanent. I'm literally fighting for my life as well as the life and rights of those I love. 
Next week, I'm going to begin the process of getting Medicare as well as disability because I now have damage to my heart that the doctor doesn't know will I will ever heal. I'm 32 and poverty is killing me. Lack of health care is killing me. I'm over $150,000 in medical debt because of a sudden illness that couldn't be prevented without insurance. This also counts as a pre-existing condition, so I couldn't get insurance even if I could afford it. This has to change. I don't want my people or the people I love or anyone to go through what I have. I'm voting for Bernie Sanders because he's the only one willing to do what is needed to keep this from happening to anyone else. I love you all and keep fighting. It just moved me a lot and I just wanted to share it. And I have all my own fucking reasons. We all have our reasons. Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you everyone for coming. It's moving to me and that's why I felt dramatic. So that story is one of countless that you encounter when you really start getting to know who it is that's backing this platform. It's people whose lives are on the line in ways that mine aren't. I have my health. I have a solid trade and a job that comes with decent health insurance. In fact, if I spent more time freelancing and less time supporting this movement and local artists, I'd probably pull in a, a lot more money. It was the Bernie Sanders movement, the people who lifted him up out of obscurity that made me see the urgency of this candidacy. And the central port, like, point I want to make on, on this first uh, episode about the campaign is the necessity of getting out and putting in FaceTime. You know, whoever is going to win with a bold progressive platform that repudiates Trump and corrects our country's 40-year rightward lurch is going to need to do three things. One, bring out millions of people who have never voted or even voted Republican in the past. Two, mobilize millions of citizens to do this kind of community building and civic reconnection through work like canvassing, activism, and organizing. And three, restore solidarity among the American working class. That's just seeing that you share a struggle with somebody. And this brings me back to our canvassing training. Because the first thing we do after we say who we are and, and a bit about why we're supporting him is we ask what is most important to you? And that's where listening and finding solidarity, no matter who they say they are or aren't voting for, will go miles to repairing the damage that has been done to our, our democracy. So, you know, when we defeat Donald Trump, that's when the real work begins. Bernie hits that point all the time, and it is music to my ears that's where obama he lost me he broke my heart he dismantled his campaign apparatus ceased to call his voters to action and just told us he's got this and that's the thing i worry about most with warren that she's surrounding herself with advisors who do not see a problem with the obama theory or doctrine of change now if i'm overlooking a similar criticism she's made of obama and and how she 
has said she will wield a popular movement like the one we are seeing. Please point me towards that. And, you know, lately I've really been thinking about the current narrative arc we are seeing historically. As someone who witnessed and participated in Occupy in New York City, this feels like the end result of a, a movement um, that is is really found its moment and a vehicle to have its issues addressed. And it marries all these, you know, movements that have sprung up in the last, you know, 12, 10 years uh, with Occupy and uh, Black Lives Matter and, and, and so many other, like what we're seeing is a culmination and, and Bernie is just the vehicle for all these grievances to finally be addressed. Should Sanders win, that would signal a significant tonal shift in America. We would be declaring a popular desire for a government that prioritizes compassion, economic justice, and dignity. So if you're a regular listener, I hope you'll stick with me as I continue to cover this campaign as a supporter. Um, if you're not a supporter, I, I hope you'll write me, uh, at bzlistening at gmail.com and make a case for someone else. Um, I'll have you on the show if that's what you're up for conversations. That's the thing I'm saying. And if this is your first episode, I would really encourage you to go back through the archives. You know, it occurs to me that aligning the, the show BZ listening with not me, us is actually very on brand for this podcast as shitty as that saying, you know, the shitty saying goes, it's my name in the title, but it started because I'm just aware of so many wonderful artists and journalists and just people in general who don't get enough exposure and attention. And it feels really good to do something to help shine a light on them and amplify them. Um, And, you know, I didn't really, with the show, I didn't really delve too hard into just like, I don't know, forceful partisanship or really talking directly on politics out of this weird timidity kind of thinking, who am I to have takes? But recently in like the last couple of weeks, it dawned on me that if people like David from Jonathan Chait and Chris Matthews and William Crystal still get to have takes on, you know, the fucking Atlantic and the New York Times and MSNBC, then so do I, God damn it. So until this critical time passes, the show is dedicated to highlighting the work being done on the campaign here in Cleveland. Uh, I hope to bring on a few of the delegates, maybe some of their volunteers I've gotten to know, um, some people that I've gotten into uh, what I would call unfruitful discussions online. I'd like to do a regular thing like, you know, let's take it offline as a subject, as a segment to just talk with people. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Whoever you are, I'm fighting for you. Stay strong. Let's do this. Let's do this.